episode 17 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on December 19th, 2016. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. This week, Bioware held a holiday live stream. Did they stuff our stockings with Life Day presents or cracked Kyber crystals? I'll discuss upcoming changes to Galactic Command. Rogue One hit theaters this week. I'll give you my 100% spoiler-free thoughts and talk about where Bioware fits into this new world of Star Wars storytelling. And with that, it's time to make the jump to light speed and check out the State of the Old Republic. Well, welcome to episode 17 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted. And as you heard in the opening, I have another great show lined up for you today. First up, let's review some announcements for the Old Republic. So the character transfer sale, just a reminder, there is a character transfer sale happening. Transfers are 90 coins down from a 1,000. So if you've been wanting to shuffle some of your characters around, now is the time. And this is scheduled to end on January 18th. Also, Life Day. Life Day is going on right now and will end on January the 10th. There were some bugs with the snowballs, and but all that's been fixed. And same with the overheated droids. So you can go out there and just pelt people, NPCs, and those droids and get those holiday decorations, wampa pets, and, and all that other good stuff. And speaking of wampas, I got the wampa companion. And first of all, he's huge. I mean absolutely huge. Now, normally I don't mind that, but he's almost too big and he blocks my character when I'm running around. So I actually wouldn't mind it if he were shrunk just a wee bit. And these creature companions are fun, but I don't know if you've noticed, but all companions face you when you're standing around. And with the humanoid companions, you don't really notice it and it's fine. But with the creature companions, they all look like they want to eat you. And it's really kind of disturbing. And I don't know if there's a way to change that, but I just, just, just an observation. So pull out a creature companion and pay attention to them just kind of staring hungrily at you and you will see what I mean. Now, one cool thing about the Wampa is that unlike other cartel market companions, he does not like delicacies. The best gifts to give him are imperial memorabilia. And military gear, so he's actually a little bit easier to level up as a result, which is really nice. I was I was I was really happy to see that they made uh, leveling his influence up uh, with some pretty straightforward gifts that you can get off vendors and aren't anything special related to the cartel market. So, so that's it on the Wampa Companion. He's very cool. So you know if you have some spare coins, or I guess you can sell them. You probably find them on the GTN. Take a look, but it's def- definitely worth getting. A lot of fun with with that one. Uh, this week is Bounty Contract Week, so that's that's going on, and that will be followed up by the Relics of the Gree event. All right, so that's all the announcements I have for this week. Let's slice the holonet and go over the news. So we had another producer's live stream this week, and it was deemed the holiday live stream, and the devs indeed come bearing gifts. 
Coming on January 24th as part of Game Update 5.1 are some big changes to Galactic Command. In what I am calling the Great Compromise of 2016, we'll finally be able to target specific pieces of set gear. Now, before I get into the details, it's important to note that nothing, I mean nothing, is being removed from Galactic Command. These changes are in addition to how the system works now. If all you do are solo activities, nothing is changing for you. You'll still be praying to the RNG gods to get your gear. The main difference now is you'll feel like you're standing out in the cold, shivering with your face pressed up against the window of the cantina as you watch the PVPers and ops folks standing around in their fancy set gear, drinking Corellian ale and dancing. So here's what's what's going on. And there were two problems that they set out to address, re- really three, but two two that they stated. And they were, they wanted to give players the ability to work towards specific pieces of gear through end game activities. And they wanted to ease the pain of gearing alts by making part of this legacy wide. Now I would also argue that there was a third goal here and that was to have changes in place for game update 5.1. And I mention this because it's a time constraint that ultimately dictated what they could and could not do. So I just mentioned that because the solutions are pretty good and generally well accepted, certainly aren't perfect. So here, here are the changes in the nutshell, in a nutshell. Legacy crates will now start dropping command tokens. These are a new type of currency that are bind on legacy. And these tokens are a guaranteed drop from the crates and they will also be granted retroactively. So for example, if you were legacy rank, or command rank, I should say, 300, you will receive every single command token that you would have gotten had this been in place on day one of uh, game update 5.0. So you will be rewarded these retroactively, which which is really, really cool. Now, these command tokens, which I said are a type of currency, will need to be combined with unassembled gear pieces to purchase the actual pieces of gear. So where do you get the unassembled gear pieces? Well, for PvE, unassembled gear pieces are a guaranteed drop from the last boss of each operation with specific drops on a boss, or I should say on the last boss of each operation. So, for example, if you're doing Eternity Vault and you kill Soa, he's guaranteed to drop an unassembled gear piece. And not only that, it will be for a specific slot. So he might drop the chest piece. So if you need the chest piece, you know you can go and kill Soa and he will drop the chest piece. And then it's just you rolling against other members of your group to see who actually wins the item. Each other boss in an operation has a chance to drop any token. Now bosses that are later on or further on in the operation have a higher chance than those early in the operation. So again, using Eternity Vault as an example, SOA is a 100% chance to drop a, a specific item. But if you're on the very first boss, that, that, that robot that's guarding the entrance there, yeah, chances are he's not going to drop a token. He could, but the chances are going to be a little lower. As you progress through the operation, you say get to that second to the last boss, which is that mono a mono council fight. Well, yeah, there's a pretty good chance that you will get a token and random token, but you know, a better chance of getting a token than on the first boss. So if you happen to get 
one of these unassembled gear pieces. What you do is you're going to go to a vendor and you're going to turn in the unassembled gear piece along with a certain number of command tokens. And the prices for this have not been set. And again, remember, the command tokens come from the command crates and you will be able to get that piece of gear. Now, the quality of the gear is based on the difficulty of the operation. So story mode will drop tier one, veteran mode will drop tier two, and master mode will drop tier three. And it's currently unknown how they will handle ops that do not have a master mode. Now, my recommendation would be to have them drop, uh, to have story mode drop the tier one and then maybe do tier three for the veteran mode for those ops or, or another option would be to have a combination of tier two and tier through tier three. Maybe the final boss would be a carrying percent guarantee to drop a, a tier three piece. And then maybe it would be something like, you know, 70-30. Each other boss has a 70% chance of dropping a Tier 2 token, maybe a 30% chance to drop Tier 3. You know, so, but they'll they'll figure that out. But right now it's not clear if an operation, for operations that don't have a master mode, what exactly they will do there. Now, in PvP, uh, playing a war zone will earn you something called an unassembled component. And you will earn more of these based on the medals you earn, match outcome, etc. What you're going to do is you're going to go to a special PvP vendor and you will turn in these unassembled components and then you will get the unassembled gear piece and then you will turn around and take that unassembled gear piece and go to the, I guess, the PvE vendor for lack of a better term and then turn that unassembled gear piece in along with the command token so just like you're doing for the for the pvp now one thing to note about this pvp vendor it is going to have a valor requirement which has not been determined as of yet so the valor requirement though is only going to be uh, on access of the vendor not on the gear itself and once you have a piece of gear you own it it's yours you're good to go so the valor requirement really is just to to restrict who does and does not have access to this vendor. Also, you will be able to upgrade existing gear to a higher level. And again, they haven't released the details on exactly how this will work, but I suspect that what will happen is, let's say you have a Tier 1 piece of gear. And what you can do is you'll go ahead and just run a bunch of war zones and you will earn unassembled components. Then what you'll do is you'll be able to go to that vendor... And I suspect there will be an option there to purchase, say, a tier two piece of gear with a certain amount of unassembled components plus the corresponding tier one piece of gear. So if you have a tier one chest piece and you have a bunch of these unassembled uh, components, you'll be able to go to the vendor and then turn in that tier one chest piece along with some of these unassembled components and get the tier two chest piece. And then if you want the tier three, you would do the same thing, only you turn in the tier two chest piece and as well as a bunch of unassembled components. And again, prices for all this stuff have not been released, they've not been set, something that they're, they're still working on. But I suspect that is how you're going to be able to upgrade uh, those Tier 1 into Tier 2 into Tier 3 if you PvP. Like I said, if you're just doing the operations, then you'll have to do the various difficulty modes to get your, your upgraded gear. So... Those are the changes, and again, just to reiterate, nothing is getting removed. If you don't do ops or PvP, then it's business as usual for you. 
Now, I suspect a lot of players will probably do more story mode ops as a result of this change, and many will PvP to at least get the Valor requirement to access the vendor. In fact, you might see more people try PvP just to test the waters and see if it speeds up the gearing process. And certainly if you PvP, there's no downside to hopping into a story mode op to at least get the Tier 1 gear and then upgrade it via PvP. I know I plan to hop in a war zone and do, and yes, don't worry, I am going to actually read up on these war zones and actually see what's involved in strategy and do more than just, you know, run around and shoot people and, you know, hope I get in with a good group and earn lots and lots of unassembled components. But yes, this does have me thinking about doing a little bit more PvP than I've ever done in the past. Well, that's it for the Galactic Command Changes. Game Update 5.1 goes live January 24th, and it will also include five new uprisings and Master Mode Story Chapters. So I want to talk a little bit about Rogue One. I got a chance to see it a couple of times over the weekend, and I liked it. I loved it. Loved it a lot. I thought it was really great fun. I see, and I read some of the reviews, and a lot of people liked it. My own local paper, the Washington Post, hated it. They absolutely hated it, and to them, all I can say is, bro, do you even Star Wars? Because seriously, it was really, really good. And I mean, I'll admit, I thought in the beginning, it was a little bit rough. It kind of jumped around to a lot of different places very quickly, and it was a little bit uneven. It's an ensemble movie, and I thought it did take a while to assemble the ensemble, and I think the movie needed a few more moments or scenes where the main characters could kind of bond and gel together. I thought, did think that was missing. But hey, once they got to the planet Scarif, the film just went into overdrive and it delivered on an epic scale. And the last five minutes of the movie were, oh my God, good. I mean, it was really that good. That part of it alone, I thought, made up for that the last third of that movie made up for any defects that it had in, in the beginning, in my opinion. So I think it was a worthy addition to the to the, to the Star Wars canon. It was a great movie. Uh, I look forward to seeing it again, and a lot of wonderful Easter eggs and things that you could just make sure make sure you spend some time picking out those when you go to see it if you haven't seen it already, or go back and see it again and look for it, or wait for it to come out on Blu-ray and DVD and all that good stuff. But Rogue One was a a big win in my book, and I just can't say enough good things about it right now. And so you say, well, wait a minute, that's Rogue One, that's Star Wars, I get that. What's that got to do with the Old Republic? Why why am I wasting precious minutes on that? Well, uh, the reason I'm doing that is because I read an article, or, or I should say an interview with Charles Boyd, and this was done by VentureBeat not too long ago. And one of the questions that they they asked him was about story in Knights of the Eternal Throne, and the the idea of Lucasfilm and the story group came up and Charles basically said that, yes, the story group reviews everything that they do. I think a lot of people knew that. You, you see them credited in there. Uh, but what was interesting to say is he said they while they review everything, they don't tell them anything. They don't give them any news. They don't give them any information. They don't kind of bring them on the, the inside, if you will, to let them know what's going on with these films, with these stories, I guess with these these novels. And he said, the good news is we get to go to the movies like Rogue One and Episode Eight and The Force Awakens and all that stuff, and they get to be surprised uh, along with everybody else. So they're not spoiled. But it just seems odd to me that 
they would not be included in what's going on. And and the reason I say that is Star Wars Old Republic is one of the few things out there where they're actively writing Star Wars stories, but they're not officially canon. And it's kind of a weird thing, but they're, they're new stories. They're creating new stories. And they may be the only group out there creating new stories that aren't part of the official canon. And, but I would still think that the fact that they are writing stories about Star Wars, that the story group would want to make sure that they're actually trying to tell good Star Wars stories. And of course, review things to make sure they're not accidentally introducing characters in places that are going to conflict or maybe even overlap too much, right? They don't want to make sure they're probably not stealing ideas that they've got planned for some of these movies, what have you. But I guess the reason why they probably don't uh, bring them in and share what's going on with stuff like Rogue One and Episode Eight is because, you know, the Old Republic takes place thousands of years earlier to the events that, that were being being put on film and being written about now. But while that's true, last time I checked, uh, The Force Awakens ended with Luke and Rey standing on the grounds of what may have been the very first Jedi Temple. And when you're introducing a place like that, well, you're delving into the deep past of Star Wars, like it or not. And that has generally been the purview of the Old Republic. And so you're talking about something that probably predates uh, the stories of the Old Republic. And so now you're, you're, you're actually going back and touching on a timeline that absolutely intersects with, with the old Republic. And you would think that they would want to let these guys know at Bioware what's going on, some of the things they have planned so that maybe they could incorporate some of these things, some of these ideas and so forth into their upcoming stories and, and just do whatever they can to make it feel like Star Wars. If nothing else, I think it would be good to let them know about some of the, the species, the creatures, the vehicles, weapons, all those types of things, and even planets that they're introducing so that they could start to incorporate those things into Star Wars The Old Republic. And we see that, right, with the, the vented lightsabers, the unstable lightsabers, right, uh, and, and a few few other nods. But they're getting it after the fact, and why not clue them in the beginning and let them just, you know, kind of get ahead of the game. So that that's it. But... Uh, that's my take on Rogue One and and the story group and so forth. But really, really good film. If you haven't seen it, go out and see it. And then when you're done seeing it, I would highly recommend going out and seeing it again. So that's more or less it for the major topics this week. Other than that, I've just been continuing to kind of play a little bit every day. And I'm, I'm forcing myself now to just sort of focus on playing, if you will, in doing the things that I feel like doing and not just logging into my main tune and focusing on that gold bar sitting at the bottom of my screen and, and just, you know, working on galactic command nonstop. I mean, you know, obviously many of the activities in the game that you would go ahead and do contribute to galactic command, but it's hard. It's, it's hard not just to sit there and focus on that and, and try and fill that thing up every time you can, right? And so I, I I mean, I am tailoring activities with Galactic Command in mind, but I'm also trying to just, you know, force myself to do things that I just feel like doing. And sometimes it's it's crew skills, right? Sometimes it's creating or, or logging into my alts and running them through the story and getting them leveled up. And, it, and it's been kind of interesting in that I have a lot of level 65 characters, but some of them are in very different points in terms of 
the various stories. And I find that the ones that are, say, working on Shadow of Revan, uh, level up much faster based on just the na- number of quests and the speed at which you complete those quests, more so than characters that are uh, still on parts of Knights of the Fallen Empire. So, uh, you know, it's like if I have a character that's... So, so it's caused me to sort of go in there and look at some of these characters that are that maybe are on Shadow of Revan or someplace like that where there are a lot of quests, a lot of story-type quests, I should say, that do offer a generous amount of XP... And I've sort of focused on them because I know them because I know I can get them to level 70 very quickly. If you do things like planetary quests and heroics, yes, you get a decent amount of XP and you can knock out some of these quests uh, fairly quickly. But the individual quests don't give nearly as much XP as, say, doing uh, some of the things in, say, in Shadow of Revan. I mean, quests for Knights of the Fallen Empire and Knights of the Eternal Throne, individual ones, they do grant uh, a fairly large, substantial amount of XP, but it also takes a long time to complete those. In fact, you're, you're more or less committing yourself to playing through an entire chapter before you complete the quest and get all the XP. So, but you know, usually a chapter is probably enough to, to get you, uh, to another level. But when you're talking about getting five levels, you know, you you may have to complete about, you know, five, maybe, maybe six chapters in either one of those stories and all in, in order to get from level 65 to 70. I mean, the one thing I've been doing to level up these characters is I have been using that Victorious Pioneer's armor set. There is a vendor on the fleet and in other places too, but they sell level 65 mods and enhancements. And so they have a, they're green quality, but they have an item rating of 210. So it's not too bad. So it's actually pretty decent. And, you know, in terms of giving you enough power to get through the level 65 content, especially story mode. Oh, it's just fine. It's fine. So it's a great way to feel relatively strong and get that, you know, big 75%, you know, XP boost. And then, you know, I'm combining it with the other XP boosts and guild XP boosts and stuff like and legacy perks and things like that. So I am, you know, taking advantage of all the XP boosts. So it's making getting characters from 65 to 70, uh, Pretty, pretty quick, pretty, 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 pretty painless. So I've actually started to focus in on some of these, these alts because I do enjoy playing these other characters. Unfortunately though, once I'm getting them to level 70, I'm kind of putting them on the shelf. And then when it comes to doing, uh, level 70 activities, so to speak, I'm really just focusing on my main tune because of that galactic command. And, you know, I talked about the changes that were coming, um, They'll help a little bit, especially if you do ops in PvP, but if you're just kind of hanging out and doing things casually, it's really not necessarily meant to speed up the rate at which you would acquire gear normally. So, uh, you know, planetary quests, up, even uprisings and things, it's still, still a, uh, it's a grind. I guess that's the, that's probably the, the perfect way to describe it. It is a grind. It's a never ending grind. And I'm, I'm trying hard not just to stare at that little gold bar at the bottom of my screen, but it's hard. It's hard to, 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 uh, divert my eyes from that and tailor what I do in game around just filling up that bar. So I'm just, just trying to, you know, focus on each level, try and get a new command rank, you know, with each, at least one command rank with each play session in it's slow. I think I'm only at level command rank 22 or 23. I saw someone 
either on the forums or Reddit or someplace, had a command rank already of 184. And there are lots of people that are up in the, in, in the 50s and higher. So I've been kind of dragging, I feel like I'm dragging my feet here. Have been doing a few other things, but, uh, yeah, hopefully during the, the holiday season, I can step it up and kind of get into gear and just boost that command rank and things. Like I said, I am going to try and really learn how to do some PVP and do some PVP in preparation for the changes coming in 5.1 because I think PVP will be a good way to get gear. But by the same token, I really don't want to be in the one, the one person dragging down the entire, uh, PVP group because I don't know what the heck I'm doing, but I would like to at least start working on my Valor rank so I can have access to that vendor when patch 5.1 goes live. So, that's really it for the show this week. Can be a little bit of a short show. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. So let's uh, cue up the music and just say, "Hey, there it is," and that means one thing: you have managed to survive another half hour listening to episode 17 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host Ted, and as always, I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. You can also listen to the show directly from the show site, which is. So to our podcast.com and there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at sotorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to me at sotorpodcast. And be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the podcast. And be sure to tune in on December 26th for episode 18. And remember the Sith Code, cake is alive.